The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams The podcast versions of the original Facebook Live readings during the coronavirus outbreak by Matthew Ogden, The Bearded Wit. Please bear in mind that as Facebook Live recordings, these are rough and ready, there are mistakes, there are a few trip-ups here and there, and there is laughter from the reader as he goes through and follows the humour himself along with you, the listener. We hope you enjoy listening to these and share liberally. Part 46 Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to seriously consider becoming a patron of The Bearded Wit by going to patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit. You can support me from as little as $5 a month, which is essentially a cup of coffee, uh, and that will mean that I will be able to continue producing this material and other podcasts that I do, and it would mean the world to me to have you um, know that you're, you've got my back on this. Uh, I love producing this material for people, and it's been a huge pleasure for me to do this, uh, which basically started as a project for family and friends right back at the beginning of March last year uh, when the um, COVID-19 virus was really beginning to kick in. It was a way of basically connecting friends and family all over the world who were finding it a bit difficult as we all did and it's grown into something where I've got a lot of people listening all over the world. It would mean the world to me if you could take the time just to pop over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit sign up from as little as five dollars a month as I say uh it's a cup of coffee. It would mean the world to me because the more of you guys, you fabulous people out there that do it, the more I'm able to do more of this stuff for you on an ongoing basis. No obligation, but if you can, I would be so deeply grateful. Also, if you could take a moment to pop over to Facebook and uh, give The Bearded Wit a like and follow, uh, and also go over to my new YouTube channel as well, um, just search for The Bearded Wit uh, and subscribe. Uh, I'll be putting all of the live readings slightly edited um, and cleaned up a bit uh, onto that uh, over the coming weeks. Um, But yeah, join up, uh, get involved, like, share, follow, subscribe, do all the usual social media things. Okay, on with the reading. Thanks very much, everyone. So, are we all good? Are we all happy? I will crack on with the review and the resume. Um, My words, I've lost control of my words today. It's all gone. It's all gone. Um, Yes, usual thing when we start... I will say you'll see scrolling across the bottom of the screen, as usual, a couple of URLs now. Uh, There is one for my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit, and also supporter.acast.com forward slash thebeardedwit, which is where you can actually make contributions to keep this stuff live uh, and um, help uh, keep me in things like bread and milk. (laughs) Um, because all of this is done um, off my own bat, basically. Uh, so if you can make contributions, that would be marvellous. So go to patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit or supporter.acast.com, which is my podcast host. So it's supporter.acast.com forward slash thebeardedwit. Uh, And that is where you are able to make one-off contributions. But if you are prepared to become a patron, you will also get access to ad-free versions of all this stuff. Because in the podcast, I'm uh, I'm now um, on Acast and they're monetizing it by uh, putting some ads on the stuff. So if you want to get completely ad-free versions of that and access to patron-only content, you are going to need to go to patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit. What is Patreon? I hear you all ask. Patreon is a fantastic platform designed for creators like me who create content. Um, it is uh, a very safe, very secure um, system. You get to make uh, small contributions 
and you get access to patron-only content. And it's a way for you to show your appreciation for what people like me are doing uh, out here in the cold. Um, it does mean that uh, we're able to... Uh, it, it, you can support... I have I, I support people on Patreon as well that I particularly like their stuff. There are various podcasts that I support, a couple of YouTube channels that I just make a little contribution to. And in, in all cases, it's the price of a cup of coffee to you. Uh, each month. Uh, and if enough of you lovely people do that, uh, then um, I'm able to produce more and more of this stuff. Um, so that's the reality of why Patreon is so important to us uh, as, as content creators. So if you could, patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit or supporter.acast.com forward slash the bearded wit uh, and become a part of what this all means. Okay, thank you very much. Right, quick recap then. Uh, at the end of the last episode, which was episode 45, which I haven't put up as a podcast yet, I'm sorry, but I will get on to that this week. Um, last week was a bit busy with a bunch of other stuff. So, um, yeah, so where did we get to? We got to a point where uh, Wow Bagger, who for centuries has wanted to die, as now having second thoughts because he's actually fallen in love with Trillian. Uh, Thor, who got embarrassed because of a piece of galactic social media on the sub-ether that basically ridiculed him, um, and, and which was, to be fair, Zaphod's fault. Um, but he has since um, found a way to get Thor back into uh, the good books of people, um, the mortals, by having him kill an immortal, i.e. Wowbagger. And, and, and at the beginning of the book, that was all fine. Wowbagger wanted to go. Thor needed an excuse to uh, look cool. Um, unfortunately, things have happened in dark space whilst they've been travelling there. Uh, on the Tan Grishnir, and um, Trillian and Wowbagger have fallen in love, um, and Random's sort of hatred of her mother has sort of intensified to such a point that she actually um, basically created a, a the, the perfect system for killing Wowbagger. Uh, and where we got to at the end of the last episode is that uh, the only way, apparently, or the most likely way that you could kill uh, a, an immortal was by having some kind of artifact that was with the person when they became immortal which in this case turned out to be some rubber bands which um, random found on the intergalactic version of ebay bought gave to thor which he put around mjolnir and then uh, after the first attempt before the, the rubber bands were there um, unfortunately he didn't kill Wowbagger. He then put the rubber bands on, cranked up his power to a significant level, because he was a bit worried about destroying the planet, because he's quite powerful. So he cranked it up a bit. I think it was, was it 60% or something? I don't know. And gave Wowbagger a right old twat with, um, with Mjolnir. And where we left the, the thing last week was with Trillian fainting, because she thought Wowbagger was dead, and Wowbagger arcing off into a sort of suborbital path, um, but off into the ether, uh, curving away from planet Nano. Um, and Arthur was trying to be sort of helpful and uh, soothing Trillian, um, and being very, very British about it, or English particularly, not even British, but English, and failing completely to do the right thing. Um, but he's just said, instead of admitting to um, to Trillian that Wowbagger is on his way out, out of, uh, off the, uh, into orbit somewhere, has just said, um, he's around here somewhere, you rest here, Trillian, I'll go and find him. Very, very English. Next thing you'll be doing is making her a cup of tea. Anyway, so that's where we got to. It's not quite the end of the chapter, but we'd been reading for quite a while, so that's where we left it. Let us crack on, wouldn't you say? Quick slurp of beverage. Hope you've got your tea or your gin and tonics or your beers or whatever. 
And here we go. So, random watched Wowbagger shoot off into the sky. But the sight did not fill her with a sense of triumph as she believed it would. In fact, she felt that in some tiny way she herself might be a little responsible for the friction that had existed between them. This feeling soon passed and the triumph came flooding in. That's right, you green freak. Off you go to the afterlife. Tiny voice. How could you, green freak? You fought for equality for all species through the galaxy. How little it takes to strip away your veneer. Shut up, thought Random. You're not real. You never happened. And anyway, the green freak kissed my mother. Up and up, Wowbagger went, flailing all the way until he disappeared altogether. And that's what happens when you put random dent in a tube. Arthur appeared before her, arms crossed, body language shouting, I am not happy. What did you do, random? Random crossed her own arms. Nothing. What are you talking about? You gave Thor something, I saw you, and suddenly he's able to hurt Wowbagger. So I am going to ask you again, what did you do? Random was not about to be broken that easily. And I'm going to tell you again, I didn't do anything. What is it, Random? Do you want to punish your mother? Is that it? No. Why are you doing this to her? Can't you see that she's in love with that wowbagger person? You may not like it, but that's the way it is. You're right. I don't like it. So, you're helping Thor. Random was stony-faced. I'm way over here. How could I be helping Thor? Arthur tried another tack. Weren't you in love, Random? Don't you remember how it felt? Random jerked back as though slapped, and her hand flew instinctively to her chest, to the spot where her beloved Fertile used to nestle. Yes, I remember love. My love is gone. Why should she be happy? You're doing this because Trillian left you? Yes, she left me, but I succeeded in spite of her. All those years slaving in a clerk's office, working my way up, but I did it. Arthur gripped his daughter's shoulder and stared deep into her eyes, past the resonance of dark space, through to the volatile, compassionate girl inside. You didn't do it. There was no Clark's office, and Trillian did not desert you for decades. She left you with your father for a week while she went on a job. That's all she did. Nothing worse than that. You were the one who brought us all to Earth, and you were the one who created your own bitter existence. It was all you, Random. So stop being so utterly selfish and tell me how to save that poor man. This was a pretty good argument. Random could see that she had underestimated her father. But no buts. Arthur thundered just like a real dad. Tell me now, young lady. Suddenly, the dark mist cleared and Random could see the truth of what she was doing. Emotion welled up in her young heart and she admitted her guilt with a tut and rolling of the eyes, which is more than you get out of most adolescents. Take a step back, Arthur. You don't have to be so dramatic about it. Okay, I may have given Thor a couple of elastic bands that Wowbagger is allergic to, possibly, is that enough of a confession for you, Arthur, or should I fall to my knees and beg for forgiveness? Arthur 
was rather enjoying the rush of paternal power. You, young lady, he said, can call me daddy for at least ten more years. Charged with success, Arthur strode manfully to the centre of the scorched X, where Zaphod was massaging Thor's shoulder. I cannot believe I'm about to do this again, he thought, but not too loudly in case his legs heard and turned him around. I haven't really hit someone in so long, Thor was saying. I should practice. I know, you, you get lazy. Nice arc to the swing, though. Should look great in slow-mo. Is he dead? Thor cocked an ear to the sky. Nope. I can hear him coughing, though. He's hurt badly. He's certainly not the man he was. One more whack should definitely do it. Ford arrived in the centre at the same time as Arthur. Hey, guys, uh, you know this isn't really fun anymore. Thor sighed. You know, I was thinking that. If there was a fight or something, the heroic struggle, but this is just me, the big guy, beating a little guy. Arthur folded his arms and gave Zaphod the daddy look. That's right, which is why this whole thing stops right now. Zaphod stared back. Are, uh, are we playing a face game? No blinking, is it? No, Zaphod, this is not a game. You two have had your fun, and now it's time to end it. Uh, I'd love that, said Zaphod. I would, honestly. But there's a lot riding on this fight. Thor's entire career. My 15%, I'm afraid. Wowbagger has to go. Don't forget the fat ass thing. Arthur was shocked. Ford, why would you bring that up? Ooh, sorry, that wasn't helpful, was it? Arthur was feeling quite intimidated with Thor's codpiece throwing a shadow over him, but he persevered. The thing of it is, Zaphod, Mr. Thor, the thing is that Trillian has grown fond of Wowbagger. More than fond, in fact. And what sort of father to her daughter would I be if I didn't try to intervene on his behalf? Thor frowned. Why do you look vaguely familiar? Things aren't usually vaguely familiar to me. I either know them or I don't. Arthur's legs at this point very much wanted to assume control and run faster than they had since he'd sprinted to stop his mother perusing his special spiral pad with the cut-out photos from the Blue Peter Presenters Annual. We've talked before. At a flying party, you tried to pick up a friend of mine. Pick up? What kind of pick up? You know... The kind where you lift something off the ground? Yes. Well, not that kind. Thor rubbed his forehead as though still hung over. That explains it. I lost enough brain cells at that party to power the Imperial government for a century. The Thunder God took a step to one side. Uh, he's coming down. You did your best, Earthman. I, I applaud you snapped Zaphod. Now, get lost while my client does what he does best. I can't walk away, Zaphod, said Arthur stubbornly. I could never look Trillian in the eye, and you will never be able to sleep at night if you go ahead with this. My conscience will be clear. It's not your conscience I'd be worried about. Zaphod frowned. And what should I be worried about? Spell it out, man. You know I can't read behind the line, between the lines. I would be worried about Trillian hunting me down and planting a spike between my shoulder blades. Zaphod shivered. Ooh. She would, wouldn't she? I could just see it.
He glanced over at Hillman Hunter on the sidelines. I promised this guy a death. He's from Earth and you know what those people are like. It's all about the bloodshed with them. That is so untrue, Zaphod. We are not all bloodthirsty monsters. Zaphod snorted. Oh no, how come you blew up your entire planet? We did not blow up our entire planet. You did, you aliens did it. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting down to your issues. My issues? You're the one prepared to have someone murdered just because he said you had a fat ass. Zaphod paled. He said what? Arthur turned to Thor's knee. And you're prepared to kill someone just to get a job? There's no point talking to me, said Thor, tugging his braided, his beardy, bearded braid. His braid? Beard? Bearded braid. One of those two things. You pick the bones out of it. <sighs> I don't have any regard for mortal life. As far as I'm concerned, you people are about as important as ants. And not the big, scary mutant ants. Just the normal ones. To be honest, I'm far too worried about my own career come back to care about individual lives. And anyway, it's not actually murder, is it? Said Zaphod, in a tone so patronising it would have set all of the pink ectoplasm balls hopping in a fuller-yourself detector. He wants us to kill him. Not any more, said Arthur. Really? Are you sure? Thor took a step back. Why don't we ask him? Wow Bagger hit the ground so hard that his own immortality leaped out of him like a ghost image, leaving a shattered mortal crammed into a shallow hole in the ground. Ow, he said. That's... Ow! Uh, Painkillers, anyone? Ford pulled a towel from his satchel. Uh, suck on the corner, he advised, passing it down. That blue stripe should take some of the sting out of your injuries. Thor hefted Mjolnir. Any last words? Wowbagger spat out the towel. The deal's off. I need to live. Aha! There, you see, said Arthur. He wants to live. You can't just kill him. Thor chuckled, and it sounded very much like a large bear clearing its throat, a throat which had recently swallowed several well-fed men. I can't? <laughs> Who says I can't? You? Trillian appeared suddenly, barging her way past the men, dropping to her knees by Wowbagger's crater. No, I say it, you big monster. I love this man, alien or whatever he is, and you are not going to take him from me. I remember you vaguely, said Thor. But he did not strike. He was astute enough to see the media downside of hammering through a defenceless woman to kill an already broken man. Zark, Zaif, he groaned. This is a bust. I had my hopes up too. Zaphod ground his teeth. There must be some small victory yet to be gleaned from this situation. Well, at least denounce the cheese. Wowbagger coughed and groaned. No problem. I hate cheese. I'll take what I can get, thought Zaphod. He turned to the crowd with his arms raised. Preacher High. 
Wowbagger is defeated, he cried. He has renounced the cheese and embraced Thor as his god. Hillman Hunter punched the air and Buff Orpington launched himself into a bunch of tyromancers and punched everyone he could. Zaphod relaxed instantly. Good, a riot. Riots always work well for me. I am an agent of chaos, he thought, and havoc. Those two gods are the best uh, close har- two, <laughs> Those two gods are the best close harmony singers in the universe. Maybe I should book them as a support to Thor. Trillian kissed Wowbagger's brow and wiped the blue glowing blood from his mouth. Are you going to stay with me? Wowbagger smiled, but it cost him. For as long as I can, that hammer knocked the immortal right out of me. I may not have much more than half a lifespan left. That will have to do, said Trillian. And she beckoned to the father of her child to help her daughter's stepfather-to-be out of his impact crater. Random watched all of this from the sidelines, not quite ready to be huggy-wuggy just yet. Is that the dark matter? she wondered. Or is that me? This thought worried her for a brief moment, but was soon superseded by the notion that she could probably use the situation to blackmail some really good presents out of Arthur. Arthur. Definitely not Daddy. Maybe Dad, though. After Trillian and Wowbagger had said a few goodbyes, Thor carried the ex-immortal back to the Tangrishnir much to the delight of the ship's computer. Hey, Thor, I missed you! Uh, sorry about the computer, folks, said Thor sheepishly to the half-dead man in his arms and the young lady clasping the half-dead man's hand. Dad programmed the ship to adore me and sealed the program with his magic eye so I could never erase it. That's the main reason I gave this bucket away. Anyway... What do I need a ship for? I have Mjolnir. I'm right here, said the computer. I hear what you're saying, baby, but I forgive you. Okay, said Thor, hurriedly laying Wowbagger on a bed that rose up from the floor to meet him. Leave him in the plasma bed for a week and he should be as healthy as a mortal can be. Mortal? croaked Wowbagger. Are you sure you want that, Trillian? Trillian sniffled. I'll make do. That's great, said Thor, feeling suddenly very claustrophobic. I'll just leave you two together. I have a banquet to get to. Apparently someone put up quite a bit of beef on the barbecue. You guys have fun. No, wailed the ship. Don't leave me. Gotta fly, said the thunder god bolted from the ship. No! wailed the computer. No! Not again! Trillian put her degree in astrophysics and her time on the Heart of Gold to good use and quickly bumped the Tangrishnir into the stratosphere. Wowbagger was already feeling a little better in his cocoon of healing plasma. Where are we going? he asked. The answer was simple. Somewhere together. Wowbagger laughed, though it cost him. That's quite romantic. Are you like this all the time? We'll find out, won't we? replied Trillian. We have all the time in the world. No, we don't actually. But what we do have is precious. Trillian rolled her eyes. God, I'm already sick of all this sweet talk. Me too, said Wowbagger. Do you want to go and insult somebody? 
I thought you'd never ask. Ever been to the wavering wormholes of strike Lycomden Tsing? No. What are the beings there like? Jerks. Complete assholes. Trillian ran to search on the Galacto map. Well then, what are we waiting for? She selected the glowing dot on the display and the Tangrishnir became one with the night sky. Eleven. Eleven. Vogon Bureau Cruiser Class Hyperspace Ship, The Business End. Hyperspace cleared its throat and hocked out a Vogon Bureau Cruiser into the clear swathe of satin space 0.01 parsecs beyond nanos, beyond nano's thermosphere. Inside the business end, 3,000 members of the bureaucratic corps flopped out of their hypercradles and rubbed the belt dimples from their tummies. Prostetnik Jeltz was first at his station, dispelling the unsettling days of Ersat's evolution by pounding on buttons and shouting at his slacker subordinates. Let's throw you useless galley ragbers, he urged. Show a little crust. We are on the clock, and it is an atomic clock that will never lose a second. The crew grunted croomst and moaned their way to various posts, groggily redirecting their animosity towards the planet below. Hyperspace is merely a holiday said Jeltz, not a place you could live, so forget its false comforts. There were few comforts, false or otherwise, on board the business end. Soft furnishings of any kind were verboten for the crew, as they might take the edge off. And a Vogon without his hostile edge is about as much use as a poo-stick in a Bartle-bodging contest. Guide note. An ageing constant had once flouted the regulations and had had two nice cushions implanted in his buttocks. Unfortunately, he picked up a microscopic windborne parasite in the jungle city of Risburus and it ate him alive. Foam first. The parasite knocked out six decks of the Vogon cruiser before the mess hall rations killed it. Jeltz cranked open his jaw to holler for moan, but saw from the corner of his eye that the little constant was already bobbing at his elbow. Vroom, he thought. Vogons even think grunts. That boy moves pretty darn fast for one of us. Was it a good thing or a bad thing? It was, he decided, a considerate later thing. The first priority was to exterminate the earthlings. Jeltz had filled up quite a sack of rancour over this particular species and had spent his hyperspace trance constructing overkill scenarios. This time, there would be no survivors. This time... There will be no survivors, he assured Moan, in case the boy thought Daddy was leaking croomst. Bada bingo, said Constant Moan. Jeltz frowned, though with all the fleshy planes on his brow, only a close relative could read his expressions. What did you say? Bada bingo, it's an expression used on Blagulon Kapper, I believe. "'Expression!' warbled Jeltz, a full octave above his usual range. "'I'm not getting up there, I can tell you that for nothing. "'We do not use expressions!' Moan took two quick backward steps, but did not fall over. Uh, "'Of course not. Thank you for reprimanding me, da Prostetnik. "'I am fortunate to have such a role model.' Jeltz huffed, mollified. 
expressions. Indeed, slogans in general are only acceptable in poetic or hypnotic contexts. For example, as I launched the torpedoes on the eco-planet Folia Vintus, I said, remember to recycle electrical devices. Most diabolical, Prostetnik. Such is the tenuous grasp of the Vogon on the tenets of humour that Jeltz proceeded to explain. This was funny in a mean-spirited way, because remember to recycle electric devices was something of a government jingle on Folia Ventus. Oh, I get it. And also, once those particular explosive electric devices were used, they could not be recycled. In fact, no electrical devices would be recycled ever again. But a nice one. There's more. Jeltz swilled bile in his cheeks and then swallowed. In a very real way, my torpedoes were recycling the entire planet. <laughs> Do you see? Moan's skin was emerald pale. Yes, I get all the levels. Jeltz bobbled his head experimentally and was pleased to find it completely clear of hyper-happy fugue. Think better thoughts, he advised his crew over the intercom. Find something to hate and soon you will be yourself. May I suggest the earthlings on this tiny planet below us? Surely after all the bother their extermination order has caused, they are more than deserving of your ire. It seemed as though they were, and soon the business end was clanking and kachunking with all the ominous sounds of torpedo tubes being loaded and plasma cannons being brought to bear. Twinkle, twinkle, recited Jelts, little planetoid. He glanced down at Moan. Rhyme? Moan's teeth clicked as he thought. He knew what was expected. Uh, uh, soon we commit you to the void. Excellent, my son, burbled Jeltz. Sometimes you almost make me happy. The town of Kong. Innisfree Nano. In the banquet hall, Thor and Zaphod were up to their armpits in a congratulatory buffet, totally oblivious to the utter annihilation bearing down from above, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, that is, with regard to the term above. The, the annihilation would be utter no matter what it was related to. "'You are wonderful, sir,' said an Omeglian major cow, tenderising his own hindquarters with a mallet strapped to one hoof. "'The way you handled that big hammer!' The cow imitated Thor's doom strike with the meat tenderizer. "'Honestly, I felt chills!' Thor tugged on a beard plait. "'Really?' You don't think I overplayed it? Maybe a modern god should hold back a bit on the melodrama. Zaphod emerged from a pitcher of gargle blasters. Rubbish, Thor, old man. You totally hammered that green guy. And then the mercy at the last minute. Total genius. Textbook god stuff. Thor cupped his mouth and whispered in case there was a microphone somewhere nearby. I have to admit it, Zafe, you were right. With all these people adoring me, I feel more real, more alive than I have since the music days. I honestly think I can start to put the bad old days behind me. We are back, baby, 
Religion is the new atheism. Once we've united all the colonists in faith, there's a whole universe out there. Imagine how many tiny hammers we could sell. I know a guy on Asgard. He's got a bunch of elves in his fjord. His fjord? <laughs> Excuse me. He's got a bunch of <laughs> a whole bunch of elves in his forge. One call from me, and he's knocking out <laughs> knocking out those little Mjolnirs. Zaphod plunged his arm into what was either a soya-based soup or a half-filled spittoon. Either way, he slept on his fingers with great gusto. Now you're talking, Thor. Time is a wheel, and the good old days have come around again. Uh, nice proverbial blend, sir, said the cow. Very appropriate. How about a nice steak to top yourself off? Uh, I could do mince if you don't like chewing. Zaphod ignored the animal. We have to put together a big event. Defeating Wowbagger is good for mm, colony or two, but reviving your career across a few galaxies, we need something of umbilical proportions. I think you mean, began the, crowd, the cow, and then stopped himself, intuitively realising that correcting the diner was no way to get oneself butchered and devoured. Zaphod was in full entrepreneurial flow. I don't know, let's say there's a plague. Thor wasn't convinced. Come on, Zaph, I can't stop a plague with a hammer. Okay, a drought. You could hammer through solid rock to an underground river. Thor picked up the cow and popped it into his mouth, barely giving the animal time to splutter its delighted thanks. I don't know. People have pretty good geologies these days. Underground rivers aren't that hard to find. Something with uh, locusts, then, or volcanoes? Zaphod clambered onto the table so that he could look into Thor's eyes. This is the break we've been waiting for. You are going to be bigger than ever. I can feel it. Do you think so? Really? Absolutely. The banquet hall opened, and Hillman Hunter stuck his head in through a slice of outdoors. Howdy do, me venture potent benefactors, he lilted. All boozed up to the eyeballs and ready for business? I have the official deity contracts right here. Zaphod nodded reassuringly at his client. It's okay, uh, I had a look. Standard guard duties. How many days? Thirty-two. And two more for each child conceived with a mortal. Thor was impressed. That's a sweet deal. Zaphod laid a hand on the god's giant god's shoulder. It's a sweet deal for them, and don't you forget it. Hillman shallied forward, waving, weaving from side to side, touching his temple every so often. How does a fella approach this god? He wondered aloud. I'm just trying out a few moves. I like the head-touching bit, said Thor. But lose the wibbly-wobbly thing. You can do the wibbly-wobbly thing for me if you like, said Zaphod. Surely I deserve some adoration too. Hillman hoisted himself up onto the table, passing the contracts over. You're a great chap altogether, Mr. Beeblebrox. Whatever we need, you bring it on your wonderful ship. Sometimes I think if you'd never arrived, we wouldn't need anything. Even Zaphod couldn't miss the barb in that statement but he decided to ignore it. Hey, Hilly, what's in uh, this in pencil at the bottom of the page? Did you just write this in? Hillman did his number one leprechaun act. Ah, sure be Jesus. Don't be worrying about that. It's only the protection clause. It merely says that the presiding god, Thor, in this case, is responsible for protecting the planet from alien attack. You know, big lasers or nukes and the like. Not a problem, said Zaphod magnanimously. We're not likely to need planet protection way out here in the nebula for a couple of hundred years, are we? Hillman's fingers twiddled a jig, and he rolled an eye skywards. Oh, eh, you never know, he said. The business end. Prestetnik Jilts had his seat winched up to cup his behind. 
then let the hydraulic column take his weight. There was a hiss as he sat back, which he always claimed came from the chair. My seat is a little damp, he grumbled. I am so sorry, Prostetnik, burbled Constant Moan as a fixed feature at Jeltz's elbow, as, as fixed a feature at Jeltz's elbow as the elbow itself. In fact, when Moan was not hovering at kidney level, Jeltz felt a vacuum of absence in the side of his head. I'm becoming too reliant on that boy, he thought. Time to ship him off somewhere unpleasant. My chair is supposed to be extremely damp, if not downright sobbing. You know how I hate to squeak. I shall see to it at once. Jeltz stopped him with a raised finger. Halt! Work first. Damp chair later. I... (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) I am prepared to chafe in order to get this job done. That's the spirit, sir. You're the croopster. The bridge bubbled with slow, jerky activity as the Vogons geared up for business as quickly as their ungainly bodies would allow. Guide note. A recent Maxi-Megalon poll rated Vogon agility on a par with the Ardnuffs of Razorhead 4. The Vogons were delighted to be on a par with anyone until they found out that the Ardnuffs were gigantic zygodactylous monopods who live on a moon with barely enough gravity to keep them from pogoing off into space. The Vogons were thrown a couple of consolatory bones by two other Maxi-Megalon statistics, which rated them in the top five for most travelled race, and a clear number one for most recognisable silhouette. Related reading, the complete Maxi-Megalon statistics volumes 1 to 15,000, and the quick guide to the complete Maxi-Megalon statistics volumes 1 to 25,000. Jelts fixed one eye on the main screen, allowing the other to roam the bridge. An an oculogyric talent he had developed to keep tabs on his crew. A small blue world hung in space before him, wreathed in wispy clouds, possibly brimming, with perfectly healthy species, revelling in the utter happiness of being allowed to live their simple lives on this unblighted planetoid. Unblighted. Not for long. Finally, murmured Jeltz. Finally, at last, and ultimately, inevitably... Finally, echoed Constant Moan, and it was an echo, faint and wavering. What is the ship telling us, Constant? The Vogan Bureau Cruiser was a marvellous vehicle, providing you worked on the inside. If you worked on the outside as a panel scraper or engine plunger, then it was possible to be driven blind or even mad by its sheer symmetrophobia. Most craft give a nod, however brief and unfriendly, towards beauty. Vogon ships did not nod towards beauty. They pulled on ski masks and mugged beauty in a dark alley. They spat in the eye of beauty and bludgeoned their way through the notions of aesthetics and aerodynamics. Vogon cruisers did not so much travel through space as defile it and toss it aside. But on the inside, a Vogon ship was packed with more high-tech gizmology than you would find in your average high-tech gizmology research facility. Even a well-knitted out silastic armor fiends of Stritorax... Sorry, even a well-kitted out... Knitted? 
Where did that come from? Even a well-knitted-out silastic armour fiends of Stryterax battle bus would have pulled over to let a Vogon cruiser pass, and the business end was top of the range. The sweetest ship in the pound. She might not win any pageants, but she could tell you how many bog hogs were biting each other's thighs on the opposite side of the universe, and also how many ticks those hogs were ferrying around on their backs, and possibly the blood type of the ticks. Then she could kill the ticks with micro-smart bombs. Constant Moan dragged himself away from his coveted position at the prosthetic's elbow and lurched towards the main instrument display panel. There was no need for him to lurch, he could easily have swanned gracefully. But Moan was reminded every day what the Vogons do as a species who have the audacity to evolve. As he lurched, Moan kept a careful watch on the bridge's other constants in case any of them should try to usurp his position as chief groveller. Shafting one's superiors was accepted practice in the corps. All it would take was one tasty sliver of information fed to the prosthetic, and Moan could find himself stepped on and demoted to the plunger squad. Moan did not think he could handle a life in the mully grubs looking at this ship from the outside. The panel covered an entire wall on the ship's port side and consisted of dozens of overlapping gas screens, all displaying constantly updating scan feeds. Moan searched the screens for something, anything that could save the earthlings. There was no point in lying, as the readouts were pretty much idiot-proof, which was a prudent move on the part of the designer, as many of the crew were idiots. It was easier to be a Vogon if you were an idiot. There must be something, thought Moan. I can't want to kill these people. I don't I want to ask them about country music. Maybe hug an Australian lady. They're so outdoorsy. He glanced at the readings. The earthlings were on nano. No doubt about it. The computer registered over 2,000 humanoids on the surface. At least 10% of them were earthlings. DNA and brainwave scans confirmed their origin. Well, huffed Jeltz, give me the good news, Constant. Earthlings, 200 plus, Five in utero. Twinkle, twinkle, crooned Prostetnik. Plot me a torpedo solution, Gunner. Wait! Moan had blurted it out before he could stop himself. An almost comical silence descended on the bridge. It seemed to moan that even the instruments toned down their bleeping and squelching. From the corner of his eye, it looked as though the planet had stopped moving. Wait. Did you say, wait, constant? Jiltz's voice was smoother than a glassy ocean, and more dangerous than a glassy ocean with a couple of spanner-head sharks lurking below the surface. Really hungry sharks, who had a thing about landlubbers coming into their environment. Both of Jeltz's eyes were drilling into moan now. Why would you say... Wait. Don't you want us to complete our mission? Moan felt acid churn in his stomach, and not in a good way. One word. He had said one word, and his career, his life, was over. I didn't mean wait as such. So, you didn't say wait. 
Yes, yes, I, I said wait. So, you said wait, but that was not what you meant. Yes, Prostetnik, exactly. This is disturbing, Constant. I expect my crew to mean what I want them to say. I do mean what I say, said Moan miserably. So, you meant wait. No, Daddy, I didn't. The ultimate transgression. Grasping at familial bonds for clemency. Vogons had only one loyalty. The job. Prostetnik Jeltz's torso bubbled with swallowed anger. And his ear actually tooted. Well then, my son, if you don't mean what you say, and you will not say what you mean, I don't have much use for you on this ship. Not inside it, at any rate. Moan fell to his knees and begged. One chance, Prostetnik. One chance is traditional. Jeltz's bottom lip jutted out like a sun seal lying on its belly. One chance was traditional. He himself had been given one chance to redeem himself by his mentor, Field Prostetnik Turgid Rowles. Guide note. On Jeltz's virgin voyage at the elbow, he had mistakenly obtained Turgid Ral's thumbprint on a BD-140565 instead of a BD-140664, which caused more of a furore than he might have expected, as a BD-140565 was a confiscation of atmosphere order, and a BD-140664 was a late movie rental charge. In essence, a student from Blagulon Gamma had a sleep-in and forgot to return the King of the Firefly Warlords 2, and the next thing he knew, he was waking up on a dying planet with 30 seconds to live. Old turgid rolls... Wasn't too hard on me, thought Jeltz. In fact, we actually had a good laugh about the whole thing. Very well, Moan. One chance. Moan's blood pump slowed down a few sloshes per minute. Qualifier? Yes. I need a rhyme for violent obsession. And not just an end rhyme. I want an internal too. Moan tapped invisible words in the air. Ah, uh, Sire Rant, Hessian. Quickly, boy, quickly! Uh, okay, violent obsession, um, cryoplant impression. Explain! It's an art form on, on Requinda. A type of mime where the artist impersonates frozen shrubs. Not really. If you think you can. Really? Really? Look it up, if you like, Prostetnik. Guide note. Cryoplant impression was an actual competition category in the Brequindian Arts Fair. The record holder for consecutive wins was a young actor, Mr E. Mout who claimed his secret was to sleep in the foliage during the winter. He was denied an eighth title when wood pouchers fed him into a shredder. Jeltz digested this nugget and ran through the poem in his mind. It could work. It was probably buffer-pucky, but the poem was leaning towards the absurd anyway.
Very well, Constance. On your feet, you have your one chance. Now, use it to tell me why you ordered my gunner to hold on the torpedoes. Moan's blood pump cranked up again, and he stumbled to the readouts. They hung over him like a crackling tidal wave. He searched for something, anything that could justify his involuntary command. There was nothing on the screens but heartbeats and blood pressure and tumours and calcium deficiencies. Nothing out of the ordinary. Then he noticed a strangely impenetrable blip inside one of the structures. Moan zoomed in and checked for vitals, but every ray he sent in was bounced back without so much as a smeg of information encoded in the beams. Salvation! Moan scuttled back to his sub-ulnar position with renewed confidence. Prosthetic! This had better be good. Otherwise I have a dozen eager grievers who would gladly kill to stand at my side. Kill you, I might add. This is good, Prostetnik. I can explain my actions. That's just fabby bone. So you ordered my gunner to hold the unnecessarily painful slow death torpedoes because... Because... Torpedoes won't be enough, sir. You are milking this, Moan. They won't be enough because we have an immortal on the surface. Class one. You're certain? Absolutely. There could be no mistake. The scans are bouncing off him, sir. We will have to retreat thought Moan, resisting the urge to skip with delight, delight being expressly forbidden on board the business end, and skipping being generally impossible. We have no defence against a god. A god, said Jeltz, clapping his hands. Clapping his hands in terror, Moan hoped. This is the chance we have been waiting for. The chance to run away as quickly as we can, get the drives fired up, thought Moan, the optimist. Gunner, fire at will in direction of the immortal. Moan cleared his throat. Sir, a a torpedoes cannot harm a god. Jeltz attempted a crafty grin, dowsing Moan with half a jug of spittle. Harm? No. Distract? Yes. Distract? Jeltz smugly indulged this parrotry. Yes, son. Distract this god, whomever he is. From the secret experimental weapon we are about to load into a tube. Experimental weapon? Moan squeaked. Jeltz winked. Secret experimental weapon, he said. And that, ladles and jelly spoons, is where we will leave it for this evening. Ha ha ha! Perfect spot. Uh, thank you so much for joining. If you have joined during the live stream, this will be available to see a little later once the thing has done its thing on Facebook. And of course, all of these will be uploaded to the podcasts. Uh, so you can catch up on all of those on all 45 other <laughs> episodes that have done been done over the last two years. But thank you so much for your company, as usual, for the live readings. 
Don't forget to become a patron. Go as it's scrolling below here. Go to patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit to become a patron. Or what was it again? It was supporter.acast.com forward slash the bearded wit. Acast is where the podcasts are hosted. uh, And patron is where creators, content creators like me, have their homes kind of digital homes uh, and that's how you can support us so it's from as little as the price of a cup of coffee a month uh, that would be awesome if you can do that thank you so much for your time this evening it's going to be super we are hold on i've just closed it down but let me just double checky wiki 78 percent of the way through the last book oh my gosh i reckon three more three more episodes probably and we'll be done Anyway, whatever. We'll find out. Thank you for your company this evening. Lovely people. Uh, look after yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. If the world is opening up a wee bit um, where you are, enjoy it when it happens, but be careful and don't be daft. Um, we still need to be careful about how we treat each other in the world. So look after yourselves. Be hoopy, be fruity. Um, and I will see you same time, same place next week. See you, everyone. Take care now.